we're going to talk about um, what is going to, we're going to quickly go through these, but the third essential of what it means to be the body of Christ together. So the vision for this is we do have some scriptures we want to talk to, but I have a mic that we put on that middle table. Um, we are recording this. We obviously have a lot of friends and family who are not here today. Um, so we are trying to record these so we can make these available. But this is an essential uh, part of the way that we try to follow Jesus together and do church. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to try to take one minute for each of the first three weeks we've done and just give a real quick summary of this. And then we're going to look at some scriptures today and hopefully have a conversation together. That The goal of today is definitely not that my voice uh, is the only voice that we're hearing, but it's kind of the, the intended goal is to create conversations today about what this looks like. All right, so let's pray. If you need to get up and get food, please do that. Um, you do not need to wait till the end to get up and get seconds. Okay, and everybody has been through the line once, so you can, you can go back. Father, we love you, and we humble ourselves around these tables. Thank you that you have made a place for us. God, thank you that it is a part of the gospel that you put the lonely in family. And as we've been talking about, God, whether for some of us the word family is one of the most beautiful words, and for others it's a really painful word, God, we thank you for your intention of family. And God, I thank you not only created it with a good design, but that you made redemption a part of your story. That even if we don't know what family looks like, you have family for us. So we honor and we recognize what Paul says in Ephesians, that the whole family in heaven and earth is known by your name. So more than our church name, more than a denomination or a movement, we just say we want to be known by your name. We want to be known as your family. Speak to us. I pray that we would just continue to, to be with us around this table. And we love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so technically, this is a third, the third Sunday that we've been talking about Essential Church. And again, uh, just for uh, clarity, Essential Church, what we're talking about, we're not trying to go through a deep dive into all of theology of ecclesiology and the way the church, everything the Bible says about church, but we're looking instead of what are the essential, uh, what are scriptural essentials to the way that we follow Jesus together as church? That's the goal of what we're doing. Um, four weeks ago, we had kind of a foundational week. It was before we started that, that series, but we talked about the essential, or we talked about the foundation of Jesus Christ and the fact that whenever Jesus is talking uh, to the disciples and, and Peter specifically, um, he, he asked, he said, who do men say that I am? And, and Peter said, some say you are Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist. And then Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father is in heaven. So there is a revelation from the father that Jesus is the Christ. And Jesus goes on to say that this, on this rock, I will build my church. On the revelation of who Jesus is. You know, and so everything that we will talk about, you know, for these last few weeks today and in the, in the, in the next uh, three or four weeks, all of that goes on to not only what Jesus said, but later it's laid out for us in the epistles that there's only one foundation that can be laid, and that's the foundation of Jesus Christ. And so whenever we are um, tempted to be distracted, to begin to look at one aspect of what God says that would take us away from the person of Jesus Christ, we can come back into this foundation. Like it is possible uh, to get caught up in, an, in you know, so I, I think about it sometimes in the charismatic world, there's like a new teaching that comes out. And it's those, a lot of times those new teachings are really good, but if those new teachings lead me away from the foundation instead of building onto it, it's a distraction, right? There are places in Reformed theology or depending on what background, if you're an Orthodox background, where we can get so caught up in our distinctives that we forget. We get so focused on the distinctives that we forget the foundation, and we want to make sure that we stay really main and plain. You know, we could, we could call our church the Following Jesus Church. That's, that's what, like, Following Jesus Together Church, that's what we want to do together is to make sure that everything we do is based on the sense of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of our faith. He is the foundation of our faith. Then the next week uh, during family reunion, we talked a lot about the things that Jesus said to us the night before he died from John 13 through 17. 
And we said that if we could sum all of that up into one word, that would be the word love. And if essential means absolutely necessary, can't live without it. You cannot do church without understanding the call to love. And so it's weird because I think a lot of, in a lot of our um, Western culture, we have built church with that idea of like, yeah, we're supposed to love each other without necessarily making that a priority. Um, and it's so striking to see if you just were to look at the words of Jesus and then the teachings of Paul, the teachings of Peter, the teachings of John in the New Testament, every one of them says that this is essential, that this is important, that this is, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 may be the most clear, hey, you can excel in all these other things, and if you don't have love, it's worthless, right? It's easy to go to uh, great conferences to equip in, you know, the prophetic or to go to a justice conference, and, and those things can be really good. We should be equipped in how to live all that stuff out, but if we have not love, it's empty, Right, And so Jesus called not only for us to love him and to give him everything, to abide in him, but also to love each other so that the world will know that God sent his son Jesus and has loved the world with the same love that he loved the son. That is scandalous. But the beginning of that is for us to love each other so the world can recognize we belong to him and for us to walk in unity with each other the way that Jesus walks as one united with the Father. Guys, that is a high and lofty goal that we in our own human energy and strength and strategies are not able to walk out. But when we prioritize the fact that we are united with Jesus and we are united in him with the Father, then we can begin to approach the way that we live with each other um, with a different set of eyeballs, okay? And again, I am not coming against any church models. We're not coming against uh, the West at all. It's just a cultural fact that in the West, in the church and beyond the church, we have a very independent mindset. We are kind of trained to think that if there is a problem or if there is a need, then there is a problem. And if you were to read the scriptures in the New Testament, you would find that people related differently to that. They understood more that, hey, we, 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 were, we were created to need each other. We were created to walk together in a sense of interdependence. Codependency is so gross that we want to stay as far away from that as we can. And so we mow from codependency to this place of like idealized independence. And not only does it, is it idealized, but it's also often idolized. And so there's a call for us to walk in a place where we are loving each other and really understanding that a part of the call of the gospel is to learn how to lay down our lives. And that may be for some of us to be martyred in a faraway place, but often, more often for me, it's learning to lay down my life and my following of Jesus inside the family he's placed me in. And so that's not, that's not like something I'm trying to avoid, right? Like no man takes my life, but I learn to lay it down. So how I learn to do that is like that's something we're on that journey together. And then last week we talked about the essential of the gospel. You cannot really, um, if, if we were to go into thinking about the church and miss the importance of the gospel of Jesus, the good news about Jesus spreading. And we said the good news of Jesus is about salvation, but it's more than that. It's the power of the good news that daily changes our lives and brings us closer and closer. How many of you thought about good news this week? Anybody think about something that you had as good news? Raise your hands high so I can see. Awesome. Uh, let's actually take just a minute to have some people, if you can give us some popcorn style, what, 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 what were some places you saw the good news working uh, in your life or around you this week? All right, who else? You know, a lot of you guys don't know I'm involved with family life ministries. Um, our big thing is the weekend to remember is the marriage enhancement program. And you had said pray praying people that you're in need. Two of the people I work with that I was with on the day, they started complaining about their husband. And I had the opportunity to talk to them about 
the marriage program plus Jesus in general. So that's if, awesome. If you pray for people to come into your life, guess what? <laughs> They'll show up. Yep. We ask at the end. We ask God lead us to hungry and hurting hearts, yeah. and He does. Right? That's good. You want you want to see prayers get answered? Start praying that one. Right? Okay. Who else? So I saw more hands. Just these are, these are perfect. You don't have to wait for me to acknowledge you. Just like shout it out. Come on, man! You know that's right. That's good. That's good. There was a, there was like a, a quiet, subtle staring, waiting. Hello, Michael. Can you share any good news? Come, come, come closer. I want. So I've been uh, working on um, doing music for film, TV, and advertising for a few years, and I uh, just found out last week that one of my songs was placed in a BBC documentary and two UK shows, and I, my mind was blown, so I made it! That was awesome. A dream come true. Man, come on. Yeah. You can you can get the link from Michael if you wanna if you wanna hear hear his stuff. Anybody else? That's cool. That's good. I I highly value that as a love language. I think that like shared experience, shared moments is so important. So I get that one. Anybody else? Something you've been seeing happen? Yes, Mike Weber. Here and I officially have a start date on our house. Ooh. Yeah. Anybody else? All right. What is it like when you hear good news? What happens in your heart? Butterflies. Get excited. It's encouraging. Guys, is everything that happens in your life, is it all good news? Is it all encouraging? No, but it's important that we celebrate the good news because we will not stop other things from happening. But if we're not careful, we will become witnesses of bad news instead of witnesses of good news. And so when we witness the love of God, the power of God, uh, the character of God, answered prayers, those things happening in our lives, it is important that we remember we were made to see the gospel work. There are plenty of places that we're going to say, wow, I need to see the gospel work. And the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And I watched this week several times as the Lord would show me something today and then tomorrow that would get tested. And you know how easy it is for me to forget what I saw yesterday and completely be in a place where I'm, I'm operating as if I've only seen the problem without remembering God has been showing me and inviting me into that. So, because these are all essential things. Today, if you have your smartphones or your Bibles, I want you to turn. You can open up to the book of Ephesians. We're not going to read the whole book of Ephesians. The Lord's, everybody's said, we're not going to read the whole book of Ephesians. What'd you guys say? Yeah. Amen. That's good. I was going to say, because if you want us to, we can't. But what we are going to do is we're just going to do, what I, like, I want to do some snapshots quickly here to create a sense of what God says about his church, okay? And then as we do this, we're going to read this passage. We're going to read one passage in 1 Peter. There's just a few verses long. We're going to read one passage in 1 Corinthians, and then we're going to close. Um, hopefully after some conversation, we will close with reading uh, just the story of Ezekiel and the dry bones and inviting the Holy Spirit to come, okay? So that's what we're going to do. You guys ready? All right. Ephesians chapter 1. Look at down at the very, very end. And for those of you who know my love of the book of Ephesians, as you know, this is painful. But there's so much beauty in this book, but there are several themes that are specific to what God says about his church. So let's look down at the very end of that uh, passage, verse 22. And he put all things under his feet, that's, that's Jesus, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body 
the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let me read that one more time. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What is the picture of the church here in the end of Ephesians 1? The body of Christ. How many of you are very familiar with the phrase body of Christ? Raise your hand if you've been hearing that for a long time. Does anybody else understand that sometimes that can almost just feel like a nickname and we don't actually think about what it means? Yeah, yeah, but we're all a part of the body of Christ and we don't even really recognize that this says, what does this say about the body of Christ? Do you see anything else that's important there? What does it say about, about the body of Christ? It almost sounds blasphemous to me. It says the body of Christ is the fullness of him or the completion of him who fills all in all. The body of Christ is not introduced in Scripture as a weak, powerless, temporary solution. But rather, when we are connected to our head, right? There's this idea, right? I see your face and I recognize you. We should be recognized by our head. We should be recognized by the face of Jesus. But while the works of Christ are finished on the cross and in the resurrection, if you look at the very beginning of Acts, it says the things that Jesus began both to do and to speak. And then he left, he sent his spirit to come and fill his body to continue those works. And we get to be a part of that. Quickly, look at the end of chapter 2. Look at verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fit together grows into a holy temple of the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So what is the picture we have here of the, of the church? What's that? We have, all we have all rights to the family of God. What else? He switched, his he switched his metaphors. And now what is he saying, Susan? Kind of the same things, thing, except now he's saying we are being built together as a dwelling place. And it's a place where what's going to happen there? The, the glory and the presence of God is going to dwell. Does the glory of God dwell in you individually? Yes? Do you carry the Holy Spirit with you individually? Yes. But there's a different sense is when collectively, as we come together, God creates a, a house, a dwelling place that's being fit together. And there's something that happens when we alter our lives to learn how to allow our lives to be built together where we can and others can encounter the presence of God in a way differently, collectively, than just the sense of his abiding, sealing presence in our, our lives as individuals. And that is a beautiful picture. We are the body of Christ and we are the dwelling place. He is building a temple for himself. The one who says, I don't need a place to dwell on the earth, has chosen to make his dwelling place in his people. In the Old Testament, and I know it's possible today, please don't mishear me. The Old Testament, we saw a glory cloud guiding the people. Cloud by day, fire by night. But in the new covenant, we carry that cloud inside of us, right? And he desires that the whole earth would witness his glory. And I believe that can happen in many, many different ways. But I believe his most choice committed way is for it to be happening and be revealed through his people. Ephesians chapter 3. Let's look at another snapshot. Look at verse number 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, the, the grace has been given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which was from the beginning of the ages and has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now 
the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose with, with which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access and confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory." In this passage, we see this picture where Paul says, guys, there's been many things um, that have been happening for ages, and I have been given this grace to speak to the Gentiles, to speak to those who are not uh, invited into this covenant collect or individually, but they are now being, this, this news has been invited for all the Gentiles to see what is the beauty, what is the mystery of this fellowship. And... That it has always been God's intention that through the church, the powers and principalities and heavenly places would see the manifold wisdom of God. The word manifold is the only time that Greek word is used in all of the New Testament. And it's beautiful because it means diversity squared. It's a diversity of diversities. And painfully, we have splintered and fractioned over and over and over again, trying to find people who think exactly like, like we do and pray exactly like we do and worship the same way we do. And instead of putting on display the multifaceted beauty and wisdom of God, we have tended to congregate with people who are just like us. But guys, God meant to put his beauty and his wisdom on display through us and through his body, and through his house. And that's crazy, because a lot of us have had experiences that would say that's not what it's looked like. Chapter 4, we could read the whole chapter. We're not going to. But I love this long run-on sentence, and we're not even going to read all of the, the long run-on sentence from verse 11 all the way down to verse 16. But I do want to highlight what it says at the beginning of that, it says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Listen to this. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Many of you have heard me teach on this before. We could talk about this for the next five years as far as I'm concerned. The promise of the New Testament is not that the church would be a copy of a copy of a copy that you can barely recognize. It is that the church would be to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I believe that God's intent is that every town, city, village, region, nation, people would have a living encounter with a life-size living expression of Jesus through his people. Jesus said this scandalous thing. He said, it's better that I leave and go away so the Spirit will come. And one of the things that happens in that is his people are spread out all over the world. And he has got an invitation for us to be to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Guys, that is a stunning invitation from God to his people. Chapter 5 says we should be imitators of Christ in verse 1. Chapter 6 speaks about <coughs> the idea of us being spirit, in spiritual warfare and knowing that we can stand against anything because of what Christ has already done. I love it because the invitation to, to dive into spiritual warfare is, it says, finally, my brethren. So you take everything that happens in chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and you then start spiritual warfare based on what he's already said. So guys, I just would present to you that the picture that God gives to the, in the book of Ephesians about who the church is, it is stunning. Jesus is stunning. He, there is no one like him, but he has invited us to be one with him. And so understanding and learning what it means for us to function together as a body is really important. Quickly turn back to 1 Peter chapter 2. I would say if you... If it's helpful, I know I, I alluded to it before, but check out what um, Paul says later in, in Ephesians 4 about 
how each joint was intended to supply the need of the other. You are not broken if you have a need. There's not, your need for others in your life is not just because you are weak and a failure. And that is the message of the world. But God says it's not good for man to be alone before sin entered the world. You were created to be connected to God and to other people. You were created for those relationships. Do not become codependent on people. Depend on him, but understand that part of the way he says that we were created to experience the depths and the height and the width and the length of his love is together with all the saints. And so it can be really easy to think, oh, I gotta get my stuff together so then I'll have something to contribute. No, we together get to experience the fullness or a greater idea of his love. First Peter chapter two, and read verse four and five, and then we're gonna get to the interactive part. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it also is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone elect, precious, and he who believes on him will not by any means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. This is really important because it ties in the very first thing we talked about with who Jesus is and with what his intention is for us. Jesus is both the chief cornerstone for those who will accept him and a stumbling block. But the idea that's relative for or relevant for us as a church is to understand that upon that stone, upon that rock of Jesus revealed to us as the Christ, we were intended that our lives would be built together and shaped together to form a house for him. And so, guys, again, this can be so countercultural to the way that we are, we, we just are, we are taught that I'm supposed to take care of all my own stuff, and then if I have anything left over after that, then there's room. But that's not what Scripture says here. I believe that it is demonic when we begin to separate aspects of our life. When I say that, I'm not saying that lightly, but I believe it's a strategy of, of darkness to try to get us to, to categorize our life in a way where, okay, first it's me and Jesus, then it's me and my wife, then this, and then th because what happens is, is I'll never get all that stuff taken care of. It's, I set him always before me. Jesus fills everything. Do I have specific responsibilities as a husband, as a father? Absolutely. Do I, is that separate from who I am as a part of the body of Christ? No, it's not. And so one of the things that we found early in our marriage is I needed women who could speak into my life because most of the men who I would tell, you know, problems Adrian and I were having, they thought just like I did. <laughs> but I had a friend who's like, Brad, you're being a bonehead. And you need to listen. You don't understand what's happening with Adrian. And I didn't. And I needed someone who could have proximity to me to be able to see what was happening in my life. The calls to love one another deeply, the calls to like walk together in a way that our lives are not disconnected until we can somehow achieve this place of like, well, I got it together enough that now I can do something with someone else. Guys, that's, that's not what the New Testament presents. That's not what this passage presents. We are called to allow our lives to be built together. Please don't mishear me. I do have a responsibility as a husband. I do have a responsibility as a father, but those responsibilities are not disconnected from who he's called me to be, both giving and receiving in the body of Christ. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes, it does. Okay. Now let's, let's turn back to 1 Corinthians 14. And now we're going to, hopefully, this is what we talked about at the end of last week. And it is my heart's desire that we could just be able to hear each other. There's a microphone back there by Angie and Luke. If, we, if someone needs to share, if you also just want to speak out, uh, we can do that. But we, we talked last week, and we talked about when we did a potluck. We wanted to focus on this scripture that says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26, says, how is it then, brothers, when you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation, that all things be done for edification. 
If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be at least two or the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and not to God. Now, listen, there's a lot of things in this passage and we are, we are jumping in. Um, but let me just, let me try to go back and give a snapshot for 12, 13, and 14. Snapshot would be this. There is a call for us to walk as a body. There's a call for us to recognize that, that we each are members of a body. I love how Paul says, you are the body of Christ, individually your members. And so each part is important. Now, collectively, right, I think there's a way that we can read this and, and apply this to the way that we function together as one expression of a local church. But there's many, many other churches that are part of the body of Christ in Grove City. So how do we fit? We might be the toe-knuckle of the Church of Western Pennsylvania. <laughs> and if we are the toe-knuckle, how can we be the very best toe-knuckle? Right? So chapter 12 and chapter 13, which teaches us about spiritual gifts, the body of Christ, and love, leads into this place where there's specific instructions given about when we come together at times like this. And guys, I just want to say, and like, I don't... Again, I'm not railing against any model, but when I read this, I'm saying, God, I don't want to participate in something where people come to watch other people do church. And that is the model for whatever reason that we have drifted to. I don't know where it started. I've read different books that have different suggestions. I wasn't there. I wasn't there whenever Constantine, uh, you know, made Christianity the, 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 the popular religion of the day. I wasn't there during the Reformation. I wasn't there. I don't know where it started, but I do know this. If you are thinking that whenever you come, and whether it's a gathering like this in this building on a Sunday, whether it's a simple church, whether it's just going uh, to show up and pray with some people, if you think to yourself, it really doesn't matter whether I'm there or not, then there's something that we're not understanding about the way he created us to walk together. Because whenever I read the scripture, I don't think that means every time we come together, every person has to do one of those things on the list. But the point is, it's not just about coming and watching somebody else perform music or give a nice talk. I think that is not profitable overall. I'm not saying that good things can't happen whenever we go and we, we watch anointed people lead us in worship. How many of you have ever been in a place like, wow, that is a great worship leader. Whenever they're leading us in worship, my heart feels really encouraged to, to worship Jesus. Could be, anybody? Okay, good. How many of you have ever, like, you feel like the Lord's really spoken to you through an anointed teacher, right? I'm not saying those things can't happen, but I am saying if overall in that process, we think that only a few people are qualified to participate in seeing the gospel work and participate in seeing the church be the church, then we are missing the boat of what Jesus talked about, what Paul talked about, and what the rest of the New Testament's about. And so we can't allow the fact that there's sometimes fruit from that to make us okay with something less than what God intended. I'm going to try to say that again. I don't want to allow the fact that sometimes it's fruitful to justify something less than what God has intended for us. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So each one of us then has a part. Tim and Gabby couldn't be here this morning, but he, they planned on it. And so we had, a, had this worked out. And so I'm not going to do as good a job as Tim was. But Tim has a woman that he works with who's going through a really hard time. I've got to meet with her. Her name is Tanya. Tina, sorry, her name is Tina. And she's going through a really difficult time and she really doesn't have anyone. This Friday or Saturday, she's moving out of her house and moving into an apartment. She's going through some rough stuff family-wise. She's got no one to help and her professional movers that she hired just backed out on her. I don't know whether any of us can rally on Friday or Saturday. I'm not saying that you should, but Tim thought, hey, is this an opportunity for us to be the body of Christ and to reach out to her? She she doesn't know Jesus. I've got a chance to share Jesus with her. But could this be an opportunity for some people to come together and serve? What would it look like for us to recognize that that's just as much being the church is whenever 65 people are crammed into my living room and worshiping together or whenever 50 of us are here or 5,000 of us are gathered for a big prayer gathering? Can we see that the willingness to go and become the hands and feet of Jesus to someone counts?
How many of you ever served by helping someone move before? Now, be honest with you. How many of you have ever really felt like, wow, I just feel like I'm being used as cheap or free labor? Anybody? Right? How many of you ever witnessed? How many of you, and I want you to think about this. Have you ever had the honor of witnessing the person that you were helping receive what you were doing that maybe didn't feel that spiritual as the love of Jesus being worked and moved toward them. I know some of you have heard this before, but it's important. Some of you guys know our friend Shane, who used to go to church here, and she now lives in Pittsburgh. When she moved to Pittsburgh, many of you rallied together to help her. There was like six or seven people here helping her empty out her house, and there's six or seven people on the other end. And her dad is a pastor, and he's got two or three PhDs. And he had just flown back from, um, from Ireland, and he got really sick. Scotland, thank you. He got, re- he got really sick, and he was unable to do anything except for drive. And at the end of that day, everything got moved, and Shane's dad told her, I want to meet with Brad. Now, Shane was sure that her Presbyterian dad was going to think that we were a cult. And what happened in the car to make people think that, you know, why does he want to talk to Brad? So when she called me, she's like, I'm really nervous. I don't know what he wants to say. And we sat down in the coffee shop right through that wall. And he said, I'd kind of given up on John 13. He said, I just realized I've been so hurt and so cynical of not seeing people love each other. He said, but I saw something real. As people did what I couldn't, I wasn't able to do physically and just helped my daughter. So how many of you have the the spiritual gift and the calling of God on your life to move boxes? It's hard because we don't want to get to a place where following Jesus has to look like one thing. Because then if everybody doesn't stop and do it on Friday or Saturday, then we're, not, we're failing, right? But here's an invitation from Tim for someone that he cares about. And he said he can coordinate and she could do either Friday or Saturday. So this is a call to action. Can, can we help? Do we have any time? If we do, if you would be able to help, whether that would be packing boxes in the house or moving boxes, I don't think it's a long move, but it's a heartbreaking one. And if you would be able to help, you can either, like, preferably, if you have Tim's information, talk to Tim. If not, let me know, and I will try to get you pointed to him. But that's one way that we get to be the body of Christ. The body of Christ gets to celebrate together. Can you say again what happened? Yeah. She said yes. <laughs> now, here, we're going to do it one more time. I want you to say it this time, and I want you guys to pretend you don't know what she's going to say. Okay, go ahead. Anything happening in your life? I got engaged. Now, you know what? It's also really important that we understand that we rejoice with those rejoicing and we learn how to be present and we grieve with those who are grieving. We had answered prayers this week in my family. My sister got to go home from the hospital. She got to go home from the hospital with no oxygen. Last week on Sunday, we prayed and we got home and she had a horrible day. And it was scary. Is God still God, whether that we see the answer that we want to see or if we don't? Yes, he is. And he calls us to show up in both places. He calls us to celebrate with those who are celebrating and to mourn with those who are mourning. Just to be present, right? Does that make sense? So last week I asked you, like, what is it that you carry? What's the part of the body of Christ that you think you carry? And I don't want you to feel... Uh, well, I think this is going to feel weird. But I want you to try to be bold. And, and, you know, if you speak heresy, somebody will come and correct you. Probably. Uh, I was, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Loretta will come and point out your flaws if you. But what part do you play? What part do you bring? If you know what, if you think, hey, I think I know what my part might be. I want you just to like, just be bold. Call it out. What do you bring to our table? Next generation of sons and daughters. 
Talk about that a little bit more, John. working okay but and and some rows behind them there's a there's another daughter and a mother and the mom's like trying to get her daughter to do something and the daughter's like no I will not and then this worship leader's daughter stands up and looks behind her and says you will listen to your mom and you will honor her or something I don't know it's like and then you know the mom's just like hiding oh gee (laughs) like there's this boldness that is offensive to us but like we that's what we desire, but in but, the mo- but little kids can get away with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like our kid. Whatever our kids are going to do, it's going to be way crazier because it's, it's it's an exponential jump. It's not like just incremental. It's exponential. It's good. good. Who else? What is it you feel like? What's the perspective you bring? What's the if it's a gift or if it's just something you think that you have to offer? I've recognized that Laura and I are really good at sitting with people in hard spaces and loving them well. It doesn't feel super spiritual. It doesn't feel amazing all the time. But I recognize the importance of walking with people in their journey of following Jesus. That's good. How many of you have experienced that with Derek and Laura? Just slip your hand up. It's an important part of the body. I would say I'm pretty enthusiastic and encouraging to people. Enthusiastic and encouraging. That was a, that was a, is there anything in the Bible that anyone in the Bible you would say was probably like that? Enthusiastic and encouraging? Barnabas. Barnabas had a pretty important role in the New Testament. Who else? It's okay if you don't know. We'll start picking on you in just a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, what part do you bring? I'm, I'm, being, in, I'm being intentionally open-ended in this question. Whether that's a spiritual gift, whether that is something you feel like that you, you carry, right? So what John said... It's not necessarily a spiritual gift. It's a perspective. He's, he's bringing in this, this, this hope and this direction about the future generations. That's important. That's really important. And if we're going to see, if we're going to grow together, we need some people. That's what they're focused on. For others of you, you haven't even thought about that. That's okay. So what is it that you, what is it you bring to our spiritual spot potluck? Yes. What's that? Being a mom and helping behind the scenes. You're amazing at that. Yes, Trudy. Yes. Nick and Trudy are both connectors. Susan. I have a lot of 
knowledge of websites and, and materials and things like that. So sometimes if, a lot of times if people say, well, what do you think of XYZ? Like, I always have an opinion, but I will always tell you, well, that's pretty, you know, um, that's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's orthodox, you know, people won't dispute that. Or sometimes they'll be like, yeah, I think this, but maybe if you talk to somebody else, they would be, they completely... You know, different perspective. But these are all the these are the, all the perspectives I know of this particular issue. And here's a book, a website, or something that you might want to check out. So Susan told us that she's a resource person. She loves examining resources herself and pointing people to other, like being able to share out of that. I love that about her. Who else? Raise your hand. We'll get run, run the mic to you. Oh, Becky. So I think probably what God has called me to is gifts of healing. Is it off? Yep. It's on now. Yeah. So gifts of healing. Gifts of healing, okay. So Not just gifts of ceilings. I didn't mean to say that. Gifts of healing. <laughs> um, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. You know, he's just... That's my heart, so. Uh, one thing I'm passionate about is godly masculinity, um, specifically how it relates to courage and responsibility and wildness. Um, so, yeah, I've just been trying to faithfully cultivate that in my own heart, lead... Uh, other men in my life into that is, um, I feel like, uh, part of what the Lord has for me. Yeah, I don't know how to put it into words, but I, I can be very stubborn, hmm. and I don't give up on people. Come on. <laughs> I, what would be the proper way to put that? I don't know, but I guess an encourager to not give up, never give in, um, using the experiences in my life as examples, I guess. How many of you have ever needed someone to be stubborn in their love for you and persistent in their love for you? That's really, really important. I don't think it's completely disconnected from love suffers long. Okay. Anybody else? How many of you, I want you to be honest, how many of you, you just say, I have no idea what I bring to the table? Raise your hand if you feel like you have no idea. There's not that many, so some people you just don't want to say it out loud. I understand. How many of you don't want to say out loud what you think? I won't call on you, I promise. <laughs> like, is this a trick? Okay. Say, I owe you. Say it louder. I owe you. So inward, outward, upward. So these are, this is not anything super, super spiritual, but these are just three important aspects to the way we relate as a church. There's a, there is a sense in which we relate inwardly with each other. There's a, there's a sense in which we're called to relate outwardly to the, to the people who don't know Jesus. And there's a sense in which our, uh, we relate upward to God. For some of you, you are primarily I. Some of you are primarily O, and some, some of you are primarily you. Some of you are very graced at pointing people in worship to Jesus. That doesn't mean that you can't do well at loving your brothers or that you can't have an impact on others. It's like just the way that you think. I remember sitting in a parking lot on the phone with John one day talking, and we were, we were just like, John is one of my best friends, and he's a real brother to me. And we're just sharing about the differences that we see in the same scripture because of the lenses we see things through. And I know in my life, I am not, I am not offended or confused because of what John carries. I am blessed and I'm made more perfect as I hear a perspective of someone who is God is wired differently than me. So I don't find like these places where John and I can't get along because we think and see differently, but I feel much more complete in knowing who Jesus is because he's wired, wired me differently, but he's aligned me together with somebody else. Does that make sense to you? 
And so that can be like that. If our church had 700 people in it, that would be like that. If you are doing a simple church with six or seven, you'll see it happen in that. For those of you who are married, you'll probably see that happening in your marriage. If you just like to get together and go for a run with three people, if you will allow yourself, you'll see that God made each joint to supply the need of the other. So what we've just done, and I, I pray it's the beginning, but I, I want us to know that what that word ecclesia, which is translated as church in the New Testament, it means the called out ones, the assembled ones. And you know, and sometimes, you, oh, it's the assembly. And if what you picture is like a big school assembly with like 900 people and one person up front, that's not what it's talking about. But can you hear the sound of the bugler? Can you hear the sound of the one who is calling for us to assemble together? And assemble together that each part would get to do the part that they were created for. And for some of those things, they feel super, super spiritual. And sometimes they just feel really, really normal. If, if we can learn to be thankful for the part that God made us. I have a lot of really cool friends. Some of them are very famous and some of them no one, no one knows. But it can be very easy for me, and I, and I mean this sincerely, I feel like I can do a lot of different things, but I don't necessarily feel super gifted in any one. And I kind of feel like that's my part in the body of Christ. My part is to love. I care perspective of family. And if someone were to try to ask me what qualifies me, I don't have a lot of things I can point to. I have God's grace. I have the fact that my dad and my mom have loved me unconditionally. That somebody shared the gospel with them. And I get to try to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. Sometimes I wish I were really good at fill in the blank. And I think that wanting to grow and be excellent, I think that's, that's beautiful as long as it's about worship. But whenever it becomes about me looking good, Jesus is like just not interested in making me look good. He is interested in me being connected to him. He looks good. I want my life not to hinder a clear perspective of him. What would it look like when we left your house or we left this house? If when we walked outside, people could recognize us. I'm not saying they don't see Hannah. I'm just saying, but when they saw Hannah, or if they saw Hannah and Luke and Katie hanging out together, they could, rep they could recognize Jesus. What would it be like if we're playing golf, if people could recognize the way that we're just... Not because we've gathered on the third hole and are having a large prayer meeting and praying for the children in China. Thanks, Mike. Um, can you turn to Ezekiel chapter 37? We're going to stand up time. Actually, you don't have to stand up. You might want seconds. But we're going to read this and just pray. We want to read and just pray for the Lord to come and breathe his life into his body. Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, I'm going to read verse 1 and then we'll pray. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in an open valley and indeed... They were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you 
and you shall live, and then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as, I, as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood to their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry and our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open up your graves and cause you to come up from your graves. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. I will place you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and performed it, says the Lord. I want us to pray. If you want to stand, you can. Um, But I want us to pray together. And the invitation is this today. Are there places when we think about the way that God designed the church, we wish he would have done it differently? (laughs) Are there places where we've been disappointed or hurt or jaded? If there is, let's invite the Lord to come and change our perspective on those places. But if there's anything that hinders us from recognizing that he has created each part, you know, the, the valley of the dry bones is not exactly the same thing as what we're reading in the New Testament. But as I prayed this morning, I saw a picture of body parts. And it's easy to feel disjointed. It's easy to feel uncovered. It's easy to feel unsupported. But a church that is healthy will be growing toward each part knowing its part, each member knowing how it fits together. And if what God has given you is administrative, then thank God. And if you feel like, I don't really understand some of the other stuff, but I see how to get this stuff in order, then thank the Lord for you. If what you have is you feel like I have got a mustard seed of a teaching gift, then thank God for that mustard seed of that. The heart would be that we would grow where each part is able to do all that God intended for it. Where each of us as individuals would become more fully who God intended us to be, but even more, I believe, important than that is that collectively we would represent Jesus collectively, that when we walk and move, and whether that's in groups of three, five, or ten, or alongside every believer in Grove City, that people would recognize Jesus in us. So if you can say yes to that, would you pray with me? God, we recognize that the church in our culture can often look like a pile of dry bones. It's easy to look around and say, can these bones live and not know the answer? But we know that you do. And we know that you are... Every scripture we read from Ephesians that was full of promise about what the church was created to be and what it would be. We know that your breath, your life, your design is better than our dysfunction and our brokenness. So God, I pray for each one of us as individuals. And God, I pray every place there is a yes in our hearts. We ask you, God, that we would receive the breath of heaven. God, may there be a sound released over our hearts. God, that we would, we would break off comparison. We would break off any rejection. We would break off disappointment. God, I pray that each person would know who you made them to be and how you made them to fit. God, the places where we need to grow and uh, facilitating that with each other, then show us that, God. But we pray that not one person would feel like they are disjointed and cut off. God, we don't just pray this for AOX. God, but we pray this for the body of Christ. We pray this for the church here in this region. We pray it for Grove City and just this greater area. God, we pray it for your people. Thank you that you have a plan for people from every tribe, nation, and tongue to fall at your feet to worship you and to bring you the reward of your suffering. Start in our hearts, Lord. 
activate us. Can you just take 30 seconds right now? Would you pray a prayer? God, come activate me. Help me to see the part that you have for me. Help me to know how to give you my yes in that area. Yes, God, in the midst, I specifically just feel like in the midst of some of you just feel overwhelmed. I pray that... um, the places where you feel overwhelmed, you wouldn't feel like more is being added to your plate. But the Lord would realign how life is working so that you would not be alone. Yeah, teach us that place, uh, God, what it means. For Paul said, bear your own burdens. And then it says in the next verse, bear one another's burdens. Show us how we can be both just individually responsible and also learn to, to come alongside each other. We love you. We say yes, and we welcome your breath. We welcome your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.